The scripture is from Psalm 130. Psalm 130, waiting for divine redemption. A song of ascents. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, O Lord, should mark inequities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is the great power to redeem. It is he who will redeem Israel from all its inequities. This is the story of faith and faithful struggle. Thanks be to God. As we enter this time of hearing God's word explored, let us pray together. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be acceptable to you, Holy One, our rock and our redeemer. And may we, like Samuel, cry out and say, Speak, Lord, for we are listening. Amen. Our liturgist, Eric Forsten, has just read a psalm of lament that starts with agony, ends with hope, and is full of longing in between. Author Todd Bolsinger describes resilience as requiring a capacity to look the brutal facts square in the eye, to name the mountain of despair, and to keep hammering away addressing the uncomfortable and brutal reality of the suffering of our neighbors and the pain of our friends without losing hope. This means bringing God with the same brutal honesty into our experiences. In biblical language, this is called the spiritual practice of lament. It is the language of suffering that theologian Sung Chung Ra explains as he helps us understand this most honest and often disturbing type of prayer. Laments are prayers of petition arising out of our need. But lament is not simply the presentation of a list of complaints, nor merely the expression of sadness over difficult circumstances. Lament in the Bible is a liturgical response to the reality of suffering and engages God in the context of pain and trouble. The hope of lament is that God would respond to human suffering that is wholeheartedly communicated through lament. Laments are prayers that face the brutal facts of our world, the pain points of our lives and the challenges of our callings, and invites God right into the swirl of that disturbing moment as the one who is the primary and responsible actor during each crisis. Laments remind us that especially from places of despair and resistance, we are met with the power of the God who is present and active. We 
are made stronger, like Jacob, through brutally honest wrestling with God in prayer about the brutal facts of our lives. As Old Testament scholar John Golden Gay says, the Psalms give a lot of space to describing, protesting, and lamenting. The Psalms are very general in what we ask God to do and very detailed about our need. Singer and theologian Richard Bruxford Colligan explains that this psalm of lament, this psalm, this 130 that we're looking at today, begins with crying out of the depths. Maybe you've been there. Chaos, danger, fear, the unknown. When we are down in the depths of it, maybe what we want to hear is not, hey, God loves you, but rather, what a story you're living. I hear you. You're in the depths of something here, and I will wait with you. Yes, waiting, perhaps the least awesome practice for a person of faith. In verse 5, the Hebrew word translated in English as wait can also be translated hope. It's a satisfying kind of yearning, but we usually can't stand it for long. Like everything else, it takes practice. Seasons in the church like Advent put us in touch with longing, with Mary and Elizabeth pregnant, waiting, hoping, delighted, and if they were like most mothers, probably a little freaked out. Songwriter James Taylor just released his 17th album called Before This World. In his song about touring a stretch of highway, he sings my favorite thing is to miss home when I'm gone. Hear that again. My favorite thing is to miss home when I'm gone. How can we be in touch with the longing of our souls without despair? There's a presumed severity of this psalm's plea for penitence, and it bears profound relevance for how we enflesh compassion. When we screw up, our culture encourages self-flagellation. Thanks to capitalist interpretations of our faith that emphasize our personal responsibility to somehow abstain from wrongdoing that our wicked flesh renders inevitable. In response, hear the words of Ethereal Dean, an artist who offers a powerful challenge to a self-blaming culture. They say, did you know you can be inwardly inquisitive without the shame and guilt attached? Try it. Ask yourself questions only not formulated as an attack. Instead of, why would you do something so stupid? Try this. I know I'm smarter than that. What really influenced these actions that don't align with me? The psalmist shows us that we have nothing to gain by casting blame inward. Instead, we seek spirit, not some person up there who makes it better, but we seek our redeemer, our public defender, who examines our strife, knowing that we're not actually the villains our accusers say we are, that our actions were in response to adversarial forces that we alone can't control, while we must be accountable for the harms we inflict, the Redeemer has no expectation that you'd be perfectly functioning under such abhorrent circumstances 
that neither you nor they created. You, therefore, have an advocate in a creator wholly composed of forgiveness. By forgiving, whether yourself or another, you are being transformed. That bit in the middle of Psalm 130 brings us a word picture. Night sentries on the watch until morning. The setup is about forgiveness in verse 3. God, if you kept a record of wrongs, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness. And therefore, with you, there is awe, reverence. There is a solemn moment to surrender to divine timing. I wait for God and for God's forgiveness. My soul waits. The Hebrew word for soul is nephesh, and it means my whole body. Every part of me is thirsty. Every part of me anticipating. Again, maybe that's like the pregnant female body, hormonally, globally transforming for the nurturing of the baby. The Sufi tradition has a great lesson about longing. The purpose of thirst is not to drink, drink, drink so that you're satisfied. The purpose of thirst is to keep you coming back to the well, never satisfied. But how often do we think of waiting not as a rich and necessary season of fulfillment, but instead of as an annoying time that's in the way of what we want? So we hang in there, like night sentries, awake through the night until the glow in the horizon means our shift is almost up and everyone is safe. Light breaks across the city and something is changed for the waiting. This feels like this whole COVID season to me. How does this psalm end? With great hope. Not just for me and my little prayer, but for the whole nation. Oh, Israel, hope in our covenant God, it reads. This psalm invites us to confess our national sin, our collective failure to care for the most vulnerable. Right in the midst of our culture of consumption, our collective craving for power. No matter where you live, for those of us with the luxury of looking at ourselves primarily as individuals, we can use some practice claiming one another in and out of the depths of suffering and waiting till dawn, hoping. This whole psalm is a type of restless contentment, like worship can be on Sundays. It's the contentment of hearing the good news, but recognizing that the restlessness can be found in the fact that we don't deserve it. Luther says, that everyone needs a preacher because the gospel of grace is too hard to believe. It's also true that we need a preacher because it's hard to look at the world around us and think that the kingdom has come. But in this psalm, it ends with a great sense of rejoicing, even in the waiting. And the closing words of Psalm 130 invite us to a life of trust. A trust that is somehow and finally, God is present with the people of God and will redeem us. May it be so. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift.
Amen.